Thank you for tuning into the You Own the Experience podcast. In this week's episode, I sit down with Andre Maletti, Vice President of Enterprise Solutions for Able. Our conversation is fascinating and revolves around how the new technologies are allowing RPOs to be a silent threat to the staffing industry, the effect PEOs are having on those RPOs, and how to cheat in chess on a first date. Uh, yes, Queen's Gambit on Netflix is affecting virtual dating and our podcast. This episode is brought to you by Able. And in this week's segment of Ask Lauren, we discuss how the cost of VMS technologies are negatively affecting SMBs looking to grow. Please remember to rate, review, and share the episode. And I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. What's up, Andre? How you doing, man? Rob, my brother, I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. Andre, I have to tell you, I want you to not sound exasperated while you talk to me today. <laughs> I feel like that is a constant state. But it might just be a ploy. I think you're just using it to make people relax around you because you're really like a, a tiger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you use the exasperated tone to, to simmer everyone down. But anyway, <laughs> thank you for being on. If you guys don't know Andre, he is the VP of Enterprise Solutions for ABLE, which was formerly EmployStream, which is both of our employers. And Andre, you want to do a quick elevator pitch about yourself and then do a little bit about ABLE, obviously. Hopefully our listeners know what ABLE is since we sponsor yeah. the podcast every week. Hopefully, if you've been doing your job, Rob. They should all know who we are, right? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to chat today. I've been with a company. I was actually employee number eight. Really, when we started, Gerald started commercializing and he brought me on. I didn't come from staffing. So my background is always B2B SaaS startups, but mostly in e-commerce and rich media. I was new to this beautiful thing we call the staffing industry. So I've been fortunate to ride that wave and to you know learn a lot about the industry and learn how Able has been able to apply its products and services to really help candidates and recruiters along their journeys. And yeah, my role, although it's enterprise solutions, staffing is highly complicated in the in the middle office, and onboarding plays more of a role than just e-signature, getting documents completed and signed. If it's done correctly, it's acting as a automation engine and it's acting as a integration layer and a middleware player. So my job is to bring that to light, right? How to take our current product and really add all the other components that we have so that it makes sense because every staffing firm is going to have nuances to their products and their vendors and their work and my jobs to make that happen. What I've learned from being here is intensely, it's not complicated in a sense of it's hard to figure out what they're trying to do. There's just a lot of different endpoints that because we sit in the middle, we touch. It is, and it's something that I think we're learning in this organization is like, we're really flexible and we have to be really flexible in how we deliver our solution because there's so many different ways people want to do things or do things, right? Lauren Jones and I always talk about like, hey, you know, buy software and try to make it as out of the box as possible because if you complicate it too much, then you end up in a black hole of people not being able to support your software because it's not true SaaS. Thankfully, we don't do that, but you could see where people make their lives really complicated because we sit in the middle and then we have to deal with both sides of the coin, right? Like going to back office, but then also dealing with recruiting and trying to make a candidate's life as easy as possible to get to work, which includes completing paperwork, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's a fascinating product, right? Yeah, no, yeah, those are good points. Everyone's trying to do the same thing, right? It's a race. You need to get from start to finish, from point A to point B. It's just everybody decides to take different routes. 
Some are straight, some are through terrain, some are using a, a bicycle versus a car versus a jet airplane. And so, yeah, we need to be very flexible to accommodate them on their specific paths and journeys. Yeah, absolutely. So it just blows my mind every day how different ways people do things and how many different ways, right? It's like a human being. Every staffing agency is like a human being. They, you know, we're generally the same, but there's a lot of nuance that makes us very different. And that's how people put people to work at staffing firms. Pre-call, we were talking about a really interesting topic that we wanted to cover today, which is kind of like the sleeping, as you described, as the sleeping threat to the staffing industry and the staffing space. So to kind of jump into that, I'll let you kind of give like your preamble, you know, like kind of like what you think, and then we'll, we'll ask questions and we'll try and dive deeper into it. Yeah. My conspiracy theories, right? Yeah. Let's not say that though. Hey, shh, shh. Nothing conspiracy, no deep state, (laughs) no disinformation. This is just a hypothesis that you have come to that we can test. Yes. We're using scientific methods of testing here. It is being tested. This is not, this isn't just being born from my brainchild. This is something that I've seen happen and I'm seeing somewhat of a trend. So I just want to tell people that I would not let Andre's brainchilds that aren't tested on this yeah. podcast. I want to validate <laughs> that. So, all right, man, go ahead. It's, it's super fascinating. The conversation we had in the pre-call was, was fascinating. So I'm excited. Yeah. So, you know, in being involved in the staffing industry, as we look to figure out, you know, where are different places that we can apply Able's technology, we've been introduced to similar industries, right, in HR. And a couple that come to mind are the, the PEO and the RPO. PO is a lot closer to what staffing firms do, right? It's just the middle and the back part of the process without the front end. And early on in our days, when I learned about RPO, there wasn't an application to ABLE because an RPO, for those that don't know, is recruitment process outsourcing. So when you look at corporations, what are the functions of their business that they can easily outsource, right? So marketing is one of them. They use ad agencies. And then HR and recruiting is one of them. They will go to a variety of places, not just for their temp, right? We're talking about more traditional employment. So they go to a, an RPO industry that will manage the process. So, well, there's a few things happening, right? There's, there's a couple forces that I believe are driving this. And the theory is that the RPO industry is actually going to begin offering more enhanced services and have been offering more enhanced services that cross the line from being just pure play recruiting and then start getting into some of the services that traditional staffing firms offer. And by doing this, this is somewhat of a threat into the market, right? So an RPO can go to an organization and say, yep, I'll handle your recruiting. And where traditionally they'd say, I'll handle your recruiting and then I'll pass them over to you. And then you have to deal with all of the HR and onboarding. RPOs are looking to go further downstream, right? Everybody's squeezed. We're looking for ways on how can we provide more enhanced product or service in the market, right? So you expand many ways. You can expand into verticals. You can expand upstream or downstream from your current workflows or core competency. What we're seeing is RPOs are moving downstream into the onboarding space, which is very interesting because this was traditionally a line that was very, very, very straightforward. It was black and white, right? And you couldn't cross that line. So, you know, why are RPOs doing this and how can they even possibly do it? And why are their customers even interested in it? Well, one of them, the customers are asking them for it. Large enterprise organizations don't want to deal with this. 
and they see it as a next extension on how can they improve gross margin or cut costs is by reducing operational overhead around this process, especially for, of course, high volume. We're not talking about the organizations that hire a couple people a year. We're talking about United Airlines and the Coca-Colas of the world that are looking to... You're talking about like an Amazon of the world who doesn't want to be the employer of record because there's costs associated to that, right? Right. Actually, it's really funny because Amazon is actually the exact opposite. Are now. they flipping they, it now? They flipped it. They were getting in trouble like two years ago, weren't they? This is stemming from that. I feel like it's like a continuation or, it or is. part of this. Here's also what's happening, right? With technology, with a lot of these tools that are very popular in the HR space and in the staffing space, with technology getting better, you know, traditional manpower recruiting, not manpower the staffing firm, but manpower of like headcount, that's becoming less and less required. It's easier to build top of funnel, you know, with these tools, it's with engagement products. So, you know, RPOs are trying to figure out like, how are we going to make up the difference here? And so that puts them in a position where they can still offer recruiters. They can then bring these tools to their customers. And then now they can offer the back end of the process. So kind of like the, the thesis there to kind of like too long didn't read it all is like, because technology is getting better, it's a lot easier to offer more services. It's also easier to fill the top of the funnel using technology, kind of like thinking from my marketing heads out there, like thinking inbound strategy, right? Like you don't really need a ton of SDRs if you have a really good inbound strategy, you just need closers. And so essentially what you know, Andre is saying here is like, hey, because we don't need headcount calling a million people to fill these roles, we can focus on having closers and then we can deepen our offerings. Would you agree? Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely right. Technology has enabled that. It's also squeezed the value out of these RPOs, right? So it's a double-edged sword. So you've got RPOs that are getting aggressive and are bringing this to market as enhanced services. And you have RPOs even you know, spinning up PEO divisions to handle this. So now if you've got an RPO and a PEO in the same company, isn't that a staffing firm? So that's kind of where I'm going with this. The other thing that's happening is, you know, traditionally an RPO would come in and they'd say, yep, we will handle all of your recruiting operations and we will work within your technology, United Airlines. Like whatever you're using, we're going to adopt that and just be an extension of your current FTEs. Now, RPOs are coming in and saying, yeah, sorry, I'm not using that legacy crap that you guys have. I've got a better stack. And if you really want me to run this, you're going to adopt my technology, which then, of course, makes it easier. So, like, none of this is possible to offer those enhanced downstream services if you can't control the tech stack. And, of course, with modern technology, with integrations, it makes it easier to bring these to light because, you know, an RPO can go into a Fortune 500 and say, oh, okay, you're on that system. Yep, we'll keep that. You can turn that thing off. I'll bring my own piece in. It's already pre-integrated. And so now they're solutioning. Well, it's also cheaper for the enterprise company, and it also modernizes your technology, right? It means that their employees don't have to adopt new technology, which is often like the biggest issue, right? Let's, let's be honest. Getting people to adopt the things is always an issue. I mean, like think about the benefit, right? You get to modernize your technology without all of the costs and personnel worries that come with it, right? You don't have to go through training. You don't have to 
et cetera, et cetera. There's just so many benefits to it. So makes sense. Yeah, I'd certainly agree. In my opinion, gig, and, and I think I wrote a white paper about this a year or so ago, gig isn't going to kill the staffing industry. It's just the candidate experience that personifies the gig economy, right, is going to force staffing firms to change their models. And that's really what's happening here as well. It's just a model that's going to change. It's another option out there. It creates maybe some challenges for some folks. Maybe you lose a couple clients. Maybe you gain some because of it. And also keep in mind that everybody's good at something, right? These firms, right? Some folks are really good at the middle and back office operations. And then they have very, very traditional front-end recruiting ops. And then some have really modern, amazing front-end operations built on great technology and great brands. And then they just lag behind on the middle and back. They're just getting it done, right? So it's almost like you have to figure out what is going to be your core competency and lead with that. Are you talking about staffing firms or yeah. uh, or the enterprise? Staffing firms. Yeah, I always find, right, like some people just want to be good at payroll, right? And some people want to be good at finding and nurturing talent. It's definitely true. It's it's just, it's still fascinating because, you know, we put on our marketing hats and we're all, we're all funnel, right? Like, we want them in the funnel. We want to close them. What happens when we close them? Like, I want to pass it on to operations. I don't want to deal with it. So, but some people are all operational. Like, they're already coming in and they just need to get them to work. So, the biggest threat to this, if I could create like a real life example. So, imagine a Coca Cola that hires 100,000 people a year nationwide, of which they decide that they're going to do 20,000 of that through contingent work, right? So, they will farm that to an MSP. And then that goes through the staffing model. But then the other 80% is managed by internal, right? At some point, let's say they decide to outsource all of their hiring to an RPO. RPO comes in and handles that 20,000. That RPO then says, you know what? I actually have enhanced services that I can provide you onboarding to unify this experience and, and make it easier for you and your candidates. Coca-Cola is going to be thinking about their brand at that point where they want a single experience regardless of whether it's going to be a temporary worker, a full-time, an hourly versus salary, right? They want to, they want to maintain that brand consistency. That RPO really is only one partnership away from being able to take over all 100,000 employees and manage that entire program where they're handling recruiting across the board. They're handling shared services for onboarding across the board and then pushing it to potentially just a PEO as opposed to the staffing model. So not as simple as that, right? This doesn't happen overnight, but these are the kind of threats that I'm thinking like, does Coca-Cola then not put as much through the contingent channel? Are they now thinking about potentially moving some of this to their RPO that is now offering these enhanced services with an employer of record partner? Right. And I think what you're saying is like, you know, you could figure out how to change vertical in an RPO or you could deepen. And it's always easier to dig in and get deeper, right? It's easier not to have to net new sell. It's always easier to add services from like a account management and then growth perspective, right? Because it's, or it's easier to keep customers. But then if you're saying to your customer, it's basically the MSP model, right? Like, why not just consolidate? Because we can do all of these downstream things and you only have to pay one person. You don't have to go out and, and farm an MSP and then have that MSP farm and pay 
20 vendors. You can just drive it right through here. Keep in mind your enterprise staffing firms are already doing this, right? They're offering end-to-end staffing workforce solutions. They're offering just PEO. They're offering RPOs. PEOs. Yeah, I was going to say, there's yeah. a lot that have PEOs. Right. And so they're creating flexibility so that when they go to Coca-Cola, they say, hey, what do you want? I got the different models here. The larger RPOs in the space are going to be doing that same thing is what it's coming down to. And then also the PEO space, even though PEO is very small, you know, traditionally a PEO, hey, when you're done onboarding them, the PEO would then take over payroll benefits, you know, all of that stuff. We've seen some PEOs try to go upstream and say, hey, instead of you passing us your employees after you onboard them, let us take over that onboarding piece. So after you recruit them, we'll take over. And by the way, we have this great technology that's a great first day experience. And this is an incredible value add to our back office solutions for you. And compared to having that person walk in and complete paper or hit DocuSign, if they've got a great, really simple tool that, by the way, makes that PEO incredibly efficient by automatically pushing the data into the system so that they can do their part, it becomes an easy sell on the back end. Yeah, I totally agree. You listen to business podcasts, you look at you look at HBR case studies on businesses, right? Like I love the example of a football coach, right? Because I come from a football coaching background and I'm a big fan of prep work, right? And like if you're not trying to figure out what you do right really well and then figure out what your competition is going to do to negate that or to you know get beyond that or go or go beyond that, like you're in trouble. And I know business leaders do this, but I think it's always important to be listening to, hey, like we see this happening. We want you to pay attention to it, right? Like, you know, like when that defensive end wiggles his fingers, he's coming. You know, pay attention to it, right? So, so you got to get ahead and you got to be thinking always of like, you know, three steps ahead or, you know, how many chess moves ahead. By the way, I saw, I have to say this, I saw the funniest thing today online. You know, like the Queen's Gambit? Mm-hmm. Right? Have you watched that? So, so this, this guy on Twitter is like, I got this really hot chick to, uh, to want to play chess online with me, like kind of like a date. And he's like, I don't know how to play chess. <laughs> and so he's like, what do I do? This dude comes in and he's like, listen, just make her play white and then play a game online next to it where you're playing the computer and just mimic that computer's moves. <laughs> how great was that? Brilliant. That was some of the most brilliant stuff. Because <laughs> like, you don't need to necessarily win. You just need to be competent. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, chess is related to this chess. conversation, right? Because you're constantly playing chess here. Chess catfishing. Yeah. I don't know if it's, it's catfishing. It's more like uh, what, uh, you know, I'm going to piss off some Clemson fans here, but what Brett Venable does and steals the signs. It's intellectual catfishing, 100%. All right. I'll give you your catfish. I'm trying to keep you away from online conspiracies on this podcast. She, yeah. <laughs> She's going to think he's incredibly intelligent. In reality, he's just... He's just witty. Time out. Time out. Solving the issue makes you intelligent. He solved the issue. What happens when, you know, he they, gets play invited, on, they have to play in person. They have to play in person. Get sick. Pretend like you're hungover. I don't know. You got lots of outs for the first couple times. I guess. Clearly lying is not the way to start your first date, but it was still brilliant. So I would agree. maybe it's not the best advice. So <laughs> at the end of the game, he should probably tell her what he did. Yeah. And that'll be a good way to maintain integrity. But anyway. Back to what you're talking about. <laughs> That's just, it was so funny. I had to bring it up. So business leaders staying ahead, identifying threats, and improving the business, right? We love the staffing space. We think it has been serving an incredible service for so long. So RPOs, guys, 
definitely got to pay attention to him. Anything else that's on your mind, Jerry? Do you have anything else to share about that? No, that's pretty much as far as I've gotten in my conspiracy theory. That's it. That's a great identification of of a potential threat. So I'm super excited to share it. What are you excited about for 2021? I'll give you like a two to three minute able pitch. Okay, so this is kind of cool. So we've identified that our product needs to be deeply rooted in integrations. We did not realize the magnitude of our customers' requirements around how many integrations. It's amazing how many workflows do not live within an ATS or system of record. Look at Todd Babel's infographic around tech stack. You would think that that's a traditional staffing firm, retail-driven on Bullhorn. I shared that, by the way, on my LinkedIn. So if it's like from yesterday, he shared it. Look at how many systems they have. Competing systems, by the way. And all because of different because of different verticals, because of different business models, internal HR versus staffing. It's kind of impressive. So we're seeing this, right? At first, we had just one integration, then we went to three. And then what we're seeing is an exponential growth of the amount of integrations. And not only the amount of integrations we need to manage and support, but how many we actually need to create workflows around. So we've actually have soft launched a new product. It's an integration platform as a service product which allows us to manage and spin up new integrations. It's essentially middleware for your middle office. And iPass is is pretty cool. For those of you that don't know what iPass is, we see it as a game changer for a staffing firm that needs to manage this distributed tech stack, but needs workflow to go across it and needs data to cross those borders. So imagine being able to have Able in there and Bullhorn and having Cantolis for sexual harassment and using Greenhouse for your internal HR recruiting ops, and then having data go downstream to PeopleSoft and to be able to bring all these chess pieces together on a board and to be able to drag and drop workflows and create automation without any development. So that's it. Clicks, not codes. Say it with me. Clicks, Clicks not not codes. That's how I used to sell here fish. Anyway, <laughs> to kind of recap what Dre just said. Uh, by the way, I call him Dre. I don't think anyone else does, but I call everyone a nickname. So sorry if that's not what you want to be called. <laughs> Almost everybody <laughs> from, you know, ever since Dr. Dre came out with the chronic has been calling me Dre, which by the way, made me the cool kid in third grade automatically. So thank you. And then prayers to Dr. Dre because I'm glad he was doing well. Yeah. aneurysm is not a, a fun thing to be playing with. What Dre said... What Dr. Dre said of tech stack over here, can you get a doctorate in tech stacks? That'd be awesome. Anyway, guys, you think about your Zapiers, you think about your automation platforms that are all over the place, trade.io, if you're familiar with these things. Basically, Able is offering that because just like we said at the beginning of this episode, flexibility is the key to being in the middle and being able to move data freely and accommodate all unique workflows because staffing firms, like we said, are like human beings. They're all pretty much the same, but they're all different, and you have to be able to function and, and work with them that way. So I've been super excited about our iPass. When you and I were first talking about me joining Able, it was all about enterprise and, and the flexibility that enterprise really demands. And as you're going to be an enterprise software provider, that is, I think that's the key, right? So if, you're, if you are a software provider and you are starting up and you want to sell to enterprise, I would definitely pay attention to how flexible your workflows can be because that is a huge, huge need and a limiting factor, right? So for us, iPass is, is going to provide some really cool stuff. All right, man, where can people find you? Mr. Andre, Dr. Dre at the tech stack, Maletti? Andre at ableteams.com. 
Should I give out my cell phone number too? Only if you do it in an exasperated voice. <laughs> like, ah. Uh, Let's just stick with anyway. email. There you go. So it's Andre at ableteams with an S at the end dot com. Andre, thank you so much, man. Love chatting with you, even though you gently rock me to sleep as you speak. <laughs> but you're always dropping knowledge bombs, sir. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Rob. Take care. After this short break, stay tuned for our next segment of Ask Lauren. Able offers a fully featured onboarding automation platform to help staffing firms just like yours ensure all candidates have a world-class onboarding experience. The company's mobile-first platform makes qualifying, hiring, and engaging candidates easy for everyone involved. Able is trusted by some of the world's largest staffing agencies and can automate even the most complex of hiring workflows, giving your team 40% of their day back and allowing you to hire up to 90% faster at half the cost. Visit ableteams.com to learn more. What's up, Lauren? How you doing? I am super fantastic. How are you? I am okay. So guys, Lauren told me to take out my soapbox so she could stand in the middle of the Roman Forum and preach to y'all the dictates of the Roman Senate. So Lauren, what would you like to tell the Senate, the people, and the Quorum of Roma, aka our listeners? Okay. Our small and medium-sized businesses are underserved. That is exactly why I founded my firm, right? I want them to be able to innovate, making really well-educated decisions on technology. And VMS and MSPs are doing a disservice to our small and mid-sized businesses. And let me explain. So you've got MSPs, these master service contracts that are contractually obligated to use a certain percentage of minority-owned businesses to serve the overarching contract that usually is engaging a VMS, whereas these small companies go to participate participate in contributing to these larger contracts. And here's what has happened. Here is what has happened, and I'm clapping my hands, is we have made the technology so expensive that these small and mid-sized firms, and I will always recommend that a small firm that has a minority-owned status, like female-owned, veteran-owned, VMS participation is an amazing way to grow your business in a geography where you you don't necessarily have the infrastructure, but you can create a pool of people to go serve an account. It's a great way to grow an account. But if we have made the technology so prohibitively expensive to these small and mid-sized firms. We're essentially cutting our own large firm providers. We're cutting ourselves off at the knees. So we as technology providers must, must, must think of our minority-owned vendors when we're putting our pricing solutions together. And even, you know, if this is a minority-owned business, let's give them something for free. You know, let's give them six months for free so they can participate in the program nurture their business, participate to the overall success of the account. And so this is something that I'm wildly passionate about. I've made a pitch to multiple technologies to make VMS integration and participation as inexpensive as possible to our minority-owned vendors, which will serve the larger master accounts in a more robust way and, and allowing everybody to participate and innovate. But integration can be extremely costly. We must be mindful of that to the small and mid-sized firm. It is where like my voice gets all shaky and my face gets red and this little vein in my forehead comes out. All right, guys. So I'm going to take the soapbox, dust it off, put it away. But I think you guys got the idea, right? We need to support those businesses, those small and medium-sized businesses. They're a great opportunity for them and everyone to benefit. So 
Do you want to add anything to that, Lauren? Did that sum it up pretty well? Technology firms, you have a responsibility to make it affordable for your minority-owned vendors to participate in our industry. That should not be a question for anyone, right? It shouldn't be a question. Small and medium businesses are the lifeblood. They are. And supporting minority-owned businesses and just small businesses in general too, right? Like Absolutely. Get your pricing together. And I'm talking to myself since I work at a vendor. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Lauren, thank you so much. I love it. Thank you guys. Let us know if you have any questions. Uh, if you want to complain about us telling you to make your shit reasonably priced, let us know. And we'll tell you to stick it someplace, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that you should. Anyway, cheers. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please remember to rate, review, and share the episode if you enjoyed it. And in full disclosure, I am an employee of this week's sponsor, Able. <laughs>